Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We've got an awesome show today. I am going to be joined later by ESPN reporter Michael Rothstein, and we really got (laughs) into a lot of different topics, um, ranging from football to books to the Oscars. Um, so I, you know, it just kind of kicked back and, uh, and listen to that one. Cause I think we both had a lot of fun, um, talking to each other and really breaking down, um, what was an interesting owners meeting and an interesting press conference from Arthur Blank. On the one hand, he didn't really say much of anything, um, informative. And on the other hand, it was really kind of all about the what he didn't say and also the way that he said what he did say so we're going to get into um all of that and so michael will be my guest for today's podcast um let's take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor we're finally here the top teams in college basketball have been determined and the final four is set so are you looking to wager on these final four games or you know if you're going to do that why not go all the way and Wager on the national championship too. And if you're going to, head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device and sign up today. When you sign up, you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. To get that bonus, just use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best spot for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today and learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm not going to have a very long open here because I do just want to get to uh, my conversation with Michael because it is um, so much fun. And really just, if you kind of like the nerdy aspects of where the Falcons can go from here, I think you're going to like that conversation because the Falcons really are in an interesting spot. And I know that we've all kind of, and rightfully so collectively given, I think the organization, a lot of grief over how everything with Deshaun Watson went down the way that it kind of came out of the blue Um, and suddenly it seemed like the Falcons were really seriously considering and pursuing, um, Deshaun Watson, even though they still had Matt Ryan. Um, and it seemed like they were okay, at least with going into 2022, um, with Matt Ryan as their quarterback. Now, Albert Breer reported, um, on Monday that the Falcons had for like 14 months been pretty much putting a plan in place to maybe move Matt out of, um, Atlanta that they had been asking around in coded fashion at the NFL Combine, which is definitely a thing that teams would do at the NFL Combine, um, and that a fourth-round pick seemed to be the consensus. So then in their talks with Indianapolis, once Matt Ryan got involved over there, um, seemingly he really kind of liked the coaching staff when he met with them um, on Saturday, a couple of Saturdays ago, and that that kind of won him over, and he began, began to be more open to the idea of maybe not being in Atlanta and being somewhere where he's got a chance to be a little more competitive, um, like some of the other quarterbacks who have been his peers throughout his career. And 
you know, then maybe because of the way the Deshaun Watson stuff was handled and because of the way that Matt Ryan was being kind of magnanimous, maybe behind the scenes, the Falcons decided to do what they could to help set Matt up in the spot where he wanted to be. Perhaps that is why they only received a third round pick in return. Um, They seem to hint at the fact that, well, they didn't hint at it. They explicitly came out and said um, that this wasn't necessarily only about getting the most return for Matt Ryan, that it was also about putting Matt Ryan in a spot where he wanted to be um, and where he was going to feel comfortable and would have a chance at success immediately. And he will. So, you know, that that all has been surprising. But I think if you remove all of that, I don't hate what the Falcons have done um, so far in free agency, specifically with their free agent acquisitions um, so far. You know, I think Auden Tate and Casey Hayward, awesome. Um, two, two good signings that I think, you know, the, the Tate one, um, I don't think we all need to hype him up too much. <laughs> you know, he's, yes, he's been um, possibly overlooked and, and certainly in a really deep, deep receiver group um, uh, in Cincinnati, but it, it's not like he's now coming here and, and suddenly turning. I don't even know if, if a Mohamed Sanu type of, of jump maybe is in the cards, but, you know, still a good signing, still helps a, a murky situation. Um, you know, Lorenzo Carter, I don't think he's going to be an answer, but it, he is at least better than anything the Falcons had. So that's fine. I really, really think Casey Hayward is my favorite um, signing so far in, in free agency for Atlanta. I think he's still going to be a very good corner. And, you know, that it's not bad for the Falcons to have two good corners, um, even though it would have been really nice to have that maybe a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, it now the question is, where do they go from here? Because they seemingly have committed to a, a slight teardown, even though they don't want to call it a rebuild. Um, it, but that's, that's fine. If they're going to continue to go out and try and win games, that, like, sure, that, that's what the coach is going to say. <laughs> you don't, I don't expect him to say any differently. Their moves will say another thing I, I would expect. And it's clear they are setting this up. I think 2023, they're pointing to, we're going to have a lot of options, a lot of flexibility for the first time in this um, regime. And, you know, it's smart to position um, it that way, narratively to say, all right, you know, you may have to grit your teeth and and grind through a a tough 2022, but we're going to try to make that as pleasurable for you as possible. Um, And, you know, we still have to see where they go in the draft. But that that was kind of, I think, the approach a little bit last year. There was also a feeling out process of who wanted to be there. But I just make it it makes me think that there's a little bit like they're could be putting themselves in in somewhat of a corner when it comes to this 2023 talk. If 2022 does not go. Frankly, I mean, even if it doesn't go as well as it as it did last year, I think um, any type of step back, any type of a regression and which is to probably be expected because you don't have Matt Ryan here anymore. And, you know, you don't have Calvin Ridley um, for a full season. You don't have Russell Gage or Foye Luke. And like there are some real significant losses. Um, so you would have two losing seasons going into a very, very massive offseason, um, an offseason where they are projected to maybe have um, a top three uh, salary cap space among uh, teams in the NFL. And you 
could potentially be looking at another high draft pick if this season does go poorly. So the Falcons would have a lot of ammunition. They cannot mess that up. Um, I, I think that if, you know, if if the 2023 season goes poorly, they squarely would be, I think, on the hot seat in 2024. Now, obviously, this is way, way, way speculation. Um, and a lot can happen between now and then. I mean, I, I don't think projecting out in, in 2016, we would have been sitting there saying, yeah, a lot of people would be calling um, for Dan Quinn's head at the end of the 2019 season. And then going into 2020, we saw what happened. So um, a lot can happen between now and then. I just think that they are really, really painting 2023 as the get excited. That's when you're going to want to renew your season tickets. We're going to have the star power here because we're going to be able to afford that. Um, then they need to go do it and they need to make sure that they they hit on it um, because that's really kind of where I think they're going to stake their claim here. And if they want to have lasting success, which is what they say they want to do, they want to build a consistent um, winner, then I think Terry Fontenot needs to apply the same amazing kind of eye for talent that he does with a lot of these mid-tier free agents. You know, when he's got now more more money to play with and he's not Billy Bean and Moneyball having to think smarter and be, you know, different from the rest of the way guys are doing it. Now, when you're able to, you know, compete for the top top price tag free agents, how do you operate and maneuver that? And that's going to be really fascinating. And it will determine, you know, probably the next like four to six years of, of Atlanta Falcons football. So that's a lot. Um, and that's a lot of talk about the future, but there's going to be much more talk about the present right now. Um, let's get to my conversation with Michael Rothstein. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. Tons of people take multivitamins. I myself have uh, recently started to take a once a day multivitamin, and it's how I get the uh, rich timber that you hear in my. <laughs> okay, moving on. But it's important to choose a multivitamin that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports, among others, gut health, energy recovery, and even aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. I gotta say, one of my favorite things about getting to work with the uh, Atlanta Falcons, among you know pretty much everything, was that I had access to some of the uh, smoothies that they would make for for the players, and man, I miss those so much. Uh, but Athletic Greens, very comparable, and so I've been able to kind of get back into enjoying some great smoothies, maybe for lunch if I want to take it light, uh, a a post workout smoothie, Athletic Greens will have you covered. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So in order to get that great deal, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, Michael Rothstein, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. Uh, second time we're doing this. <laughs> first, first conversation, unfortunately, got deleted, but you were very kind enough to hop back on with me um, today. So thank you very much, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing well, although, you know, this better work this time. <laughs> no, all right, to be real, no, like I will always be very like kind with my time because when I had a podcast covering the Lions, I had a few guests that that happened with and almost all of them were willing to come back and do it again a second time. And, and I was always very grateful about that. And, uh, so I, I, technology, man. But, you know, I, I luckily so far I'm knocking on the wood of my desk that I'm sitting at right now that at my current podcast from the perch, nobody, that, that has not happened so far. But I'm sure now whoever my next guest is will absolutely have that. There you go. You got to pay it forward, right? Um, yeah, always. It's a, that is, a, that is a, a mantra that I have in every facet of my life. Well, much appreciated um, here. So it's potentially a good thing that our, our conversation, I guess, got delayed by a few days because we got to hear from Arthur Blank, um, who weighed in yeah. from the owners meeting about the Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan situation. We don't have to rehash everything that we talked about with that because, you know, it's significantly later in kind of that news cycle. But hearing from the owner about the, the whole situation is obviously very notable. Um, what were your big takeaways from what Arthur Blank had to say? Um that the guy could enter a dance competition and probably win with his words. Like, yep. seriously, I mean, it was, um, it was, it was interesting in, in that any question, like if you said that it was like, if you said the words to Sean Watson, like something clicked in his brain and it was, I am going to give you this answer that is basically the same words. So he was asked three questions about Sean Watson, two by me, one by Charles Odom of the Associated Press. And there were three very different questions. And yeah. it did not matter what the question was that was asked on the whole. The answer was fundamentally the same. It's like he was a Russian, uh, uh, poor, you know, pardon the country of choice there, but it's like he was a sleeper agent. And it like activate like the the words to Sean Watson activated this like programmed response in Arthur Blank's brain. Yeah, it really felt like that. It was very it felt very rehearsed. It felt very much like I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say no more and no less. And I'm not surprised at that. I didn't expect him to go into great detail, although Arthur Blank has been known to speak his mind uh, mm -hmm. in various ways. Falcon for life being one of them. And uh, so so I thought there was a possibility that he might share more than he did. There were a couple of nuggets that I thought were interesting in that when it came to Watson and to Ryan, frankly, but, but we'll start with Watson in that they are really trying to downplay how interested they are. Between yes, Arthur thank you. Smith yes. And, between Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot and then Arthur Blank today, they are very much trying to downplay it, which I am sorry, that does not make sense. Because, no, it's crazy. Because here's the thing. You are, like, when he is saying, okay, yeah, if he wanted the trade, we would do more investigating. Okay, you, you may well have done that. That is true. However, you, 
you, you were clearly in on this. They wanted the trade. You, <laughs> they clearly they wanted, wanted it. Right, because they, they pushed Matt Ryan's bonus back. Right. And if it was just a preliminary conversation on a Wednesday and you were like, eh, I don't really want to do this, guess what you could have done at any point in time? You could have pulled out and said, we didn't like what we heard. Right. We don't feel comfortable with this. So not interested. Or could have said, hey, Deshaun Watson, guess what? If you want to come to Atlanta, this decision needs to be made by you by Thursday at noon because we need to figure out something with Matt Ryan. Like yeah. any of those things could have occurred <laughs> and none of them did. Instead, they pushed Matt Ryan's date back. They allowed Matt Ryan to talk to other teams, which is how Matt Ryan is now in Indianapolis. Because if the Falcons don't do that, then yeah. Matt Ryan probably still with the Falcons, by the way. Like, or maybe they explore a trade for him at that point. I know Albert Breer reported on Monday that like the Falcons had explored conversations sort of about Matt Ryan earlier and the best they could get as a fourth rounder. I, I, I don't know how much I'm, I'm buying yeah. that either. I, I don't listen. I don't think they were going to get a, a, I don't even know if they would have gotten a first truthfully. Probably but not. No, I think you could have gotten a second or you could have gotten uh, a third and a future third. I don't think that trading him for a late third was the only thing. Now, you know, they were working they agreed to work with Matt Ryan and Matt, but that, apparently Indianapolis is the only team that like that. That was it. Like there yeah, were no, there were no there conversations was no other team. Pittsburgh or, or, or anyone. And obviously Carolina and New Orleans were going to be off the table. I, I think everyone would agree there. Right. Like, right, yeah, but you don't talk with Houston, but Matt Ryan probably wouldn't have wanted to go to Houston. You don't talk with Seattle. Maybe Matt Ryan would have wanted to go to Seattle. Like, it just, to me, the whole thing is just like everybody, it's like the more people talk, the more it's like whirling, 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 whirling. <laughs> like, do not like, like it's, it's um like, you remember the Wizard of Oz, right? Like, do not look at the yeah. man behind the curtain. <laughs> and, and that's, yeah. it's like, do not look at the situation behind the curtain. Just pay attention to what we're saying. Like that, that's what it feels like in a lot of ways between everything that they're saying. And that will get into now Matt Ryan will in that like I will say the I I agree with Arthur Blank in that you know he used the word day of reckoning when it came yep. to Matt Ryan's contract yep. and to me that was I thought a very accurate statement because it was coming and, and everybody understood that and the day of reckoning for what they really the only way it wouldn't have come would have been if. They felt comfortable enough with Matt Ryan that he would have played out his deal. Mm-hmm. Because then the, the, the structure of the, the restructure that did not end up coming through, that got pulled back, that would have kicked some money, but not a lot of money into future years. And I think you could have managed that if you're, if you're the Falcons. They may not want to say that they could have managed that, but I think they could have managed that because... Three million, four million, like that that hit's gonna come from somewhere, someone down the line of having that dead money. It just would have been that Ryan avoidable years, and you just would have had to be yeah. smarter. You know, I say that said, I mean, listen, I think this ended up working out well for Matt Ryan. I think I still think it was a completely bungled approach of of how it all came to be and, and how it all played out. Like it, it really felt like it. It felt 
you know, I, Arthur Blank's comments about, well, we did enough research to decide we wanted a meeting. <laughs> but we had to do, we're going to, we were going to have to do more research. Well, why would you do all the research first? Right. That, like, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand that. Like, yeah. Or, or do, do more research first. And then like, because you're, it's not like you can say, okay, we're going to make this trade, and now I, I need four days to do this. Well, that that's the biggest thing, is it seemed like from Arthur Blank's comments, it's like, did you think that you were at the beginning stages of this whole process? You know, like, that's what it, that's what he basically was, I mean, was kind all, of saying. Yeah, it, listen, it's all them not saying what the reality is, which is they were comfortable enough yeah. to go down the pursuit. Yeah, to Watson, pursue, yeah. and I, I asked Arthur Blank this of like considering the values that you talk about in your company in, in your book, good mm-hmm. company, but but in your company, I didn't mention the book; I just mentioned the company. <laughs> like, why would you? Feel, why? What? What was it? Why did you feel comfortable pursuing Deshaun Watson? And you know right. that triggered the Deshaun Watson answer. Yeah, you know, and, and he mentioned that you know he wasn't the history with, the, two, with two grand mm-hmm. juries, and that's that's a completely that's. That is true. He was not choked, yep. but but he still has twenty two civil claims pending, and you know it, it is possible that that all goes away, yeah, hundred percent. But like, how do you not do your due diligence? Is my is my thing, right? Like, you do yeah. your due diligence, and you say, you know what, I'm okay with this. I may not agree with that, but I'm not the billionaire owner of the team, you know. <laughs> and, and and he he did drop also the the you know I'm just a steward. For the fans, yeah, I see and, that. And, you know, and it's like, all right, that was this was an interesting presser to, to drop that one um, <laughs> in there. And, you know, it just it was in I, I thought it was the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was an interesting press conference that told you not much. Yes, it, it didn't tell you. It certainly didn't tell you any. I mean, that was the that's the point. Um, of course. But but it's, you know, it, it's almost weird that even in kind of dancing around it or, or bullshitting his, you know, way through certain answers. Like he didn't even go as, as hard to sell it. I think as he could, I mean, literally a quote that he gives is we investigated it enough. You know, we did the level of investigation we felt was appropriate for an hour and 15 minute phone call. It's like, again, he, we're not in the first days of this he said process. They, felt they had an obligation to talk to him. Yeah, it's it's just. Yeah, like, I mean, you heard uh, you heard the presser, right? Like, yeah, like he literally said, "I felt we had an obligation to talk to Deshaun." But who who was <laughs> obligating you to do that? <laughs> right. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's it does it just doesn't vibe. It doesn't vibe with the reports that we saw all throughout the process. You know, people suggesting that the Falcons were rolling out the red carpet. You know, that was that was tweeted that the Falcons were rolling out the red carpet for Deshaun Watson. And then now we get, hey, well, we did the investigation we felt was appropriate for an, an hour meet and greet phone call. And, and that if yeah, we it, were, if we'd considered moving past that point, we would have, it, it, the Browns swooped in at the last second, my guy. Like this, <laughs> there's a reason everybody was shocked that Cleveland went, got it because the, the Falcons and the Saints were the front runners. So I, it just doesn't make sense that that was. Well, I mean, it, it, listen, it could also be David Mulligetta played it. Perfectly yes. from from a right. financial standpoint, and uh, it, it is listen. It is also entirely possible that the Browns were where he wants to go all along. I think from a pure mm-hmm. from a pure football standpoint, the Browns make a lot of sense 
based off the talent that's on their roster versus the talent yes. and situations of the other teams. Carolina's got a yeah. good defense, and but like who knows what? I mean, that team was five and eleven last year. The Falcons mm-hmm. are right <laughs> now; their starting receivers are Auden Tate and either Olamide Zacchaeus or um, Frank Darby or Cardero. Yeah, Frank Darby. I mean, like that's. That, I'm sorry, that's not a receiving group that's going to strike the fear into hearts of, um, well, any NFL secondary right now. It's not a knock right. on those guys. It's just, you know, there's a lot of, in some cases, like I think Auden Tate, there's a lot of potential there. And obviously yeah. Kyle Pitts is their number one receiver. And Cordero, <laughs> Cordero Patterson, right. They're number two, but, uh, you know, in terms of, of targets. But, yeah, I mean, from a roster standpoint, it never made sense. And, and from a financial standpoint, it never made sense. Because the, yeah, so like like because you know there's so much that we can unpack here. I don't know how much is even from a football standpoint. I don't know how much is worth even going down that road. I think there are other things we can talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because it, there was just so much about the entire pursuit that just never seemed logical to me, with the exception of one thing, which is that from a pure on the field football standpoint, Deshaun Watson would have made sense if you were looking for your quarterback. Of Yep. But but that's taking everything else out. And you with Deshaun Watson, you cannot take everything else out between the contract, the cap situation, and obviously the 22 civil suits that are still pending. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. It makes sense from a football standpoint, but but that can't be the only way that you're looking at this um, if, if you're making these decisions. And that's why, you know, the comments today weren't, weren't great. But the, like you said, the whole situation was just crazy. Just came out of nowhere. And then ended in a really weird and head scratching way. I mean, it'd be like if trying to think of an example off the top of my head, like if Will Smith, let's say, walked on stage at the Oscars and um, who's a good example, maybe Chris Rock and slapped him. Uh, that that's kind of what this I felt like in, in terms of. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I did not I did not see that happen. I was in Puerto Rico reporting oh, no. on another oh, story great. at the moment. Uh, I had I had saw it later, and my decision making. <laughs> process while well, i saw everyone else on social media offering some sort of opinion or comment my decision was <laughs> you know what it ain't any of my business there you go i'm just gonna move on with my life because <laughs> that is the great rule about social media that not enough people have on social media you don't have to comment on everything <laughs> that is like a great rule to live by like <laughs> I, I i believe in it like it's okay to not have an opinion put the phone down Yes. Read a book. Like, there you go. like a book. Tweet, tweet into the book. I, I actually just finished a book called Daisy Jones and the Six. Highly oh, my wife read that. She loves that book. I love that. It, it was so well done. Um, that and Utopia Avenue, I read late last year. Uh, if your wife has not read that, um, Utopia Avenue by David Mitchell. Uh, okay. It's another book about a fake band. Oh, really? Okay. Not done in the same way that Daisy Jones and the Six was, but I love what Taylor Jenkins Reid did with Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm actually reading Cecily Jones's, or Cecily Jones's, Cecily Cecily Strong's, um, like kind of memoir from COVID right now, which has been really, really enlightening as well. Um, I think, I believe my wife read that one as well. Yeah, well, your wife's just ahead of me on the book reading. Uh, Dude, she's she's a she's an avid reader. I oh, think me too. She read, I like, mean, my goal every year is fifty books. I never get. I've yet to get there. The I got to thirty eight a couple either last year or the year before that, and nice, pretty darn proud of that. 
I have a stack of 11. So Barnes and Noble by where I live in Atlanta is closing. And I have, no, so everything is like discounted. So like, I kind of stopped buying books because when I moved from Michigan to Atlanta, I had three giant bookcases full of books. Like they were my background, like, like whatever. Like, but I had, and I was like, I can't, even though I had relocation expenses, I was like, I, I, That's the heaviest move like ever. Yeah. Well, all, I was also moving into a smaller place. So I'm like, where am I mm. going to put all these bookcases? Like I'm looking around my apartment even now and I'm like, where would that have gone? So I downsized from three to one. And in doing so, I got rid of all of these books. And I was like, well, there's this amazing thing. It's called a library and I can just not spend money on these books. So I've been doing that. But then the Barnes and Noble thing happened and now I have 11 books that I bought. <laughs> Sorry, this, this, your, reader, your listeners are probably like, no, I, this Where is are we awesome. going with all of this? So this is great, guys. You're right Read back books. on track. I apologize. Uh, Marcus Mariota. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you um, know what? A question I plan on asking Marcus Mariota is if he has a favorite book. I, I actually... There you go. No, in all seriousness, back in the open locker room days, which now uh, the NFL has said that locker rooms are going to be open again, and I, I, for one, as a reporter, I'm very excited about that. Uh, would always have a conversation with guys about books that, if they did read. And it's, yep. I, I think it's a fascinating way into understanding of guy, someone's thought process and yep. also just like how they think, you know, and yeah. it's the same thing. But like, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually will ask Marcus Mariota at some point that question about, you know, there you go. about books and reading. Matthew Stafford, very avid reader, by the way, and uh, was a very big book recommender. Oh, nice. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, well, Chris, that. Chris Durham, another Georgia guy who was his, you know, is one of his good friends still to this day. It was his teammate at Georgia, teammate with the Lions. Mm-hmm. He had given him John Grisham's book, Playing for Pizza, which oh, is nice. about a football player who kind of, and his career ends in the U.S., and he goes and finishes his career in Italy, playing for this team called Parma. Well, Chris Durham ended up finishing his career in the United States and going to play in Italy for a team Parma. <laughs> so I wrote about that actually. And yeah. like, it, it didn't like, it's just letting out the plot of the book. <laughs> he, but yes, Chris Durham basically was the real life, like example of this well after the book was out um, yeah. of that. But like, yeah, I love talking to, to people about books and he had recommended that book to Chris Durham. So okay. I always, TV shows was always my my go to version of that. Like I, I remember um, I had a picture on my desk up in Flowery Branch um, of if you've seen The Office, Michael Scott Oops. in front of in front of the whiteboard when they started the Michael Scott Paper Company, and he it's the Wayne Gretzky quote or quote, yes. and it's like oh, you miss one hundred percent of the shots that you don't take, like Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Yes. I've got like a an illustrated version of that that I had just on my desk at work, and Jake Matthews walked by one day going to the the break room was just like stopped saw the picture then we had like a 15 minute conversation about the office because he's just a massive super fan so that's actually, bring that up to him I'm yeah it's really glad you told me that i did not know that because <laughs> no that that was one thing about locker room access that me when i covered the lions loved and i felt the, a great disconnect this year and getting to know players yeah. which is why i didn't write nearly as many feature stories as i usually do it's just i did not know that about jake Matthews. And there was yeah, no, important. there yeah. was no real way for me to know that about Jake Matthews. The FaceTime is so important. Well, because it was all the, the entire conversations were in group settings, were stilted in that anytime I tried to like go down in a wormhole, like very like sometimes 
it happened. Like Mike Davis and I got into a whole conspiracy theory thing, which became a thing, by the way, uh, like when that happened early in the season. Like, like and it, that was me and him just going back and forth <laughs> about it, about conspiracy theories, because he's apparently yeah. like... We, just weigh we, in on him? What? Weigh in on him? I, I'm trying to remember what this moment was. I'm sure I saw it. He, I just, no, he had, because he had tweeted about a couple of conspiracy theory things. And I had asked him, like, what's up with this? And not like political stuff, but like, you know, was I think it was like, was the moon landing real or something? Like, it was like one of those. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, yeah, flat and, earther, like that type yeah, of deal. He, no, it wasn't that. Um, I forget. <laughs> but, it, but it's like one of those. Right. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was something like that. And we ended up getting it. And literally, it was me and him going back and forth for four minutes. And like everyone else in the press corps was just kind of standing there. Like, <laughs> Like, sorry, I'm, I'm doing, but you know, and then there are certain people in the media who only want to talk football and you can't, you can't get that, that yeah. deal. So I'm one very happy that locker room is coming back because it will allow me to do my job better and serve fans and readers better. Um, but anyway, Marcus <laughs> Mariota, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> sorry, we, we totally have gone off the rails. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, listen, for what was out there. And with the quarterback class being what it is, yeah, I have no problem with the signing. I, if, What's the upside? It, like, let's say, let's say it's in the in the top seventy five percent of possibilities of ways that this could go. You know, so it's not the perfect scenario, but just like, what is a good season for Marcus Mariota? Do you think does for this team, if anything? I mean, it, the, it may the, not make a difference at this point. The upside, truthfully, yeah, the upside is that Marcus Mariota. Arthur Smith is able to do for Marcus Mariota what he did for Ryan Tannehill. Because then if you do that, your quarterback situation is basically solved because Marcus Mariota is still under 30. And listen, the guy has talent. Like he just couldn't stay healthy. He he struggled with injuries at Tennessee. Then when he came back, it didn't go well. And he even said in his introductory press conference, by the time he was done in Tennessee, he was tired he was beat up mentally and physically. So you got the sense that he needed a kind of a break. And sometimes that happens for guys. Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. being an example. So I think yeah. that there's some interest there. And the fact that, you know, because I asked both Marcus Mariota and Arthur Smith, well, okay, why do you think it'll work this time? Because it didn't clearly last time. He got benched, right. Ryan Tannehill. And they both said, listen, we're in different places now. The fact that Marcus Mariota, granted, it's an obvious chance to start, Right. But, and that's part of it. But I think Marcus Mariota also probably realizes this is his last chance to possibly show he can be a high-end starter in the NFL or even a a mid-end starter in the NFL. And he's trusting Arthur Smith with that, the guy who was part of the group that benched him. So to me, that says, okay, he clearly has some belief in in Marcus Mariota, in Arthur Smith, and the fact that this thing happened right away and it was very obvious that it was going to happen the second they traded Matt Ryan. That to me, that said, and the fact that like before the trade was even officially done, that they had reached out to him, to me, mm-hmm. that says that, and that Arthur Smith was driving part of that driving that train that Arthur Smith also believes there's something in Marcus Mariota. So I think yeah. that they both think that there's something there and they're like, why not? Test it out. The worst thing that happens is that it doesn't work and your team is still bad and you have a high draft pick in 2023 because of it. 
The best case scenario is Marcus Mariota ends up playing really well. Arthur Smith's able to unlock it. Even if the team's not great, your quarterback issue is solved. And then guess what? You're good. You're you're going to maybe have to pay Marcus Mariota a lot of money a couple years down the road, but like that's that's an okay problem to have at that point yeah. because you now also can build the team around him with a lot of cap room in 2023 all of a sudden that you can go get five or six really good free agents that might want to go play with him now that they've seen what he can do in this system. So I think there's a lot of upside, and truthfully, I don't think there's much downside because – the worst thing that happens is that they're bad anyway. And his, contract, <laughs> yeah. and his contract is structured as such that they can move on from him after next year and it's not going to cost them much. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's a really smart way to look at it, especially given you know, the place that the Falcons are in. Because you could, you could sit here and say, well, he must have a lot of faith in Arthur Smith given the situation that he's coming to, just like we were talking about with Deshaun Watson. You know, that, that he's still thrown to the same guys. They still have kind of that same... but. It from Atlanta's perspective, I think it does make a lot of sense. And I would compare and contrast it with the Carson Wentz situation, you know, reuniting with Frank Reich. Right. But obviously, Indy had title aspirations. They were they were trying to find that right piece at quarterback and they missed. And so it set them back for a year, you know, a yeah. year of their competing window. Falcons aren't doing that. If they if they bottom out, they actually have every incentive to want to bottom out as deeply as possible um, to get the highest possible draft pick. So I, I think that he he fits exactly what you said, upside and low risk. I mean, it's the reality is, and, and people aren't going to necessarily like hearing this, and it's a weird comparison for me to make because we'd be like, oh, you're just making the comparison because like it's what you know. But the Falcons <laughs> and the Lions are basically like the Spider-Man meme to each yeah. other. Because, yeah. But the, the Lions are just a year ahead because they traded Stafford for Jared Goff. Jared Goff, a similar situation. Sean McVay will want to get rid of him. You know, that, that was obvious. And he goes somewhere where he has familiarity, specifically familiarity with the GM, Brad Holmes. Yeah, Brad Holmes. And the, it was like, well, they were they knew that everything they were doing was for the future. And it basically get, gave them a tryout period with Jared Goff. And I, I think the jury is, to be cliche, the jury's still out on that because I don't think he was as bad last year as people think, especially considering, fine, evil, let, 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 let's dive into this go down this rabbit hole further, their best <laughs> option was their top 10 drafted tight end who everyone thought was going to be a star, TJ Hawkinson with Detroit, and obviously TJ got hurt. Yep. Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. Their receivers were not anything special at all. Their receivers were like, I mean, Khalif Raymond and Cardero Hodge, who's now a Falcon. Yeah. And like there was, and Quintez Cephas, who was a mid-round draft pick that like, you know, you were like, oh, why did they necessarily take him when they took Quintez Cephas? And Cephas is actually looking really good. And a rookie in Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't Amon Ross St. Brown there? And he broke yeah, out a little but, bit but like later on in the year. Right, yeah. which they're going to almost definitely take a receiver. If they don't take one in the first round, they're going to probably take one day two. Like, mm-hmm. so... Like the situation. Similar boats. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and they wanted to build it around a run game. DeAndre Swift, in this case, I guess Cordero, like, yeah. Not apples to apples there, but, and the offensive line in Detroit was better because you had Frank Ragnos, arguably the best Ragnow. center in the NFL, and Taylor Decker, and then you drafted Penny Sewell. So, like, the line was a little bit better than what the Falcons are working with now, but you have your rough tackle in Jake Matthews that you feel good about. Like, and, 
you can sub out Ragnow for Chris Lindstrom because I think Chris Lindstrom is one of the best guards in the NFL, but no one recognizes it because how bad the line is. Yeah. Otherwise, so there are very a lot of similarities on offense. Um, I'm sure that'll make Falcons fans super thrilled to hear. <laughs> I, I, I can I can't imagine how happy they are. But you know, but again, the quarterback trade, the fact that they knew they needed to rebuild, and it always felt like that. Yeah, like even when I was coming, like so when they traded. I think we talked about this the first time we did the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like when they traded Matthew Stafford in Detroit. I had written a story about how like quarterback divorce, quarterback team divorce for franchise guys is never pretty. It's always a little tricky. It's always hard. Someone always feels a little bit hurt by it. Um, even if it's a mutual thing, which it was on the whole in, mm-hmm. in Detroit, but Detroit didn't want Matthew Stafford to go away. They knew how good he was. And in Atlanta, like Matt Ryan didn't seem like he wanted to leave. Like it didn't. Right. If you listen to any yeah. of his interviews over the last week, it, it sounded almost wistful, even though he understands it's a better situation. Like, so I look at it, I'm like, yeah, but quarterback, so quarterback team divorce is hard. And it's just, you're like, okay, but it sometimes has to happen. Like, that's where it is. And that, that's, you know, I, I think that those teams recognize that. And the sooner you recognize it, the better. I don't remember where I was going with that. I got lost. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a good, it's a good um, way to wrap up. I think the Marcus Mariota thing because it it makes sense from the reunion standpoint. It makes sense for a lot of the. It's the type of it's the type of Terry Fondo signing. You know, like it, it's a little bit of an undervalued asset who you can bring in relatively cheap, and there's upside there. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense. But let's real quick, kind of before we get out of here, um, you free agent moves so far. I really like the Casey Hayward um, signing. You mentioned the Auden Tate um, signing there. So it, we're, again, seeing some of these very inexpensive guys who've been around the block, guys who do specific things very well. Um, and maybe those traits are a little bit undervalued um, relative to, to everything else. But that's the, the ballpark the Falcons are playing in right, right now. So I, I like a lot of these individual signings, but they... Um, are currently $3 million over the cap, uh, according to over the cap and, and Spo track based on you know what I just looked at. But the the two guys really who still have cap hits north of $20 million, Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones. Jake Matthews, obviously, with his extension, you know, they're they're not really gonna touch that um again. Well, also that the the cap number, that's without Jake Matthews' extension, because that hasn't I haven't seen numbers. That has not kicked in yet. Okay. I have um, not cool. seen so numbers there. Yeah, so they they right. probably are under the cap by a couple yeah. of million dollars, but right? Okay, I, at least that's based off of what I have seen. Now it could be, but the no in our system that we use, uh, I have not seen. Which is probably right. Probably right. Smoke track and OTC reliable. were reporting it. I would have seen it. So um, yeah. as well. So uh, there's I have not. So I don't think that that I think that number is without the uh, pending extension okay. at this point in time. Now I'd have to go back and look at what the NFLPA public salary cap number is, because if that's a different, a vastly different number then we know what that's in, but I haven't seen that, but you're right. Grady Jarrett, gotcha. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, the two that are left, Deion Jones's contract is not movable this year. Like unless someone wants to trade for it. And it's not, a, it's not a contract that like, and you need players at some point. And I don't think Dion's a bad player. Yes, I just don't think at that price mm-hmm. point, he's a great, he's, it's a great value. But and it, I, I think Deion Jones might also end up being more valuable this year because you can kind of put him back into that role he was in before yeah. 
and where he played well and, and kind of somewhat earned that contract. But yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's not a good contract. It's a, a present Thomas Dimitrov uh, left, <laughs> left them on the way out the door, I guess. Yeah, there are a lot of nuances to uh, to his contract. A lot of different bonuses, a lot of things like that. Um, but so the so the Grady Jarrett, you know, I I am sure you saw Jeff Schultz's tweets um, earlier talking to Arthur Smith, um, kind of about Grady Jarrett. Didn't seem like that it was a fully like locked in possibility that you know he he doesn't get traded or or that something you know it, it seemed as though. It, not everything is airtight on the Grady Jarrett front. Um, what are what are your takes on that? I mean, uh, not I was not when I saw that quote. I was just like, "Yep, that's exactly what I figured they would say." <laughs> no, and, and it's not because Arthur Smith is trying to be cagey here. I there legitimately, and I talked. To, I've talked about it multiple times on my on my podcast from the mm-hmm. perch. I've I've written about it on ESPN.com. Like the question nobody wants to talk about toward the end of the season was. Does Grady Jarrett want to be in Atlanta in the long term? Right. Yeah. And I remember if, and this goes back to actually the first uh, press session I had with Grady Jarrett after I jumped on the beat a year ago, I had asked him about his contract. He's like, oh, well, Todd France handles that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm like, do you want to be here? He's like, oh, uh, like, and I think the real question <laughs> is if I'm Grady Jarrett, do I want to be here? Because by the time the Falcons are any good, I'm 30, 31 years old. Right. I'm signing an extension and sure they might give me a lot of money, but like I want to win it. Like Grady, I think Grady He puts in such so much work, like at some right. point you want that hard work to, to pay. Right. Off. I, I get the sense Grady wants to go somewhere and win. And if it looks like it's a two, three year time frame, maybe Grady doesn't want to be here long term because you don't know how that's gonna pan out. Also, Grady's got no help. And and you look <laughs> at the signings not. that have been made, and if I'm Grady Jarrett, I'm like Man, I, the Falcons have done him dirtier than they did Matt Ryan. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say that because he's still there. But like, yeah, I mean, in terms of like getting him help, like they tried with Dante Fowler. It didn't work. Yeah. Right. That, like, that's what. Yeah. They, they tried with Tyler Davidson. It didn't work. Right. Like they tried with Marlon Davidson. Jury out has not been promising so far, in part because he can't stay on the field. When he's been on the field, he's done some decent things, but can't stay on the field. Can't stay. Mm. Like they just... So far, I mean, Lorenzo Carter, is that your answer? Oh, okay. Like, and rookies? Well, I mean, hell, Grady's going to get triple teamed again this year if he's in Atlanta. And, like, right. at that point, if you're Grady Jarrett, you're annoyed because, like, you're either going to get franchise tagged and they're going to have the money to do it. Like, or you're going to ha- watch your ta- your value go down if, once again, you don't produce. You yeah. know everyone in the league is going to understand why. So yep. if yeah. I'm great to Jared, I'm looking, I, I, you know, listen, he's from here. So there's that. He's very involved in the community here. You know, I mean, the hospital's named after him. Kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, he, you know, he's put a lot of time in here. He's, he's his mom lives here. They, they've done a lot of amazing work in the community. Yes. But at some point you have to wonder if you're great to Jared, do you want to go somewhere else at some point in your career? Uh, and yeah, that's an honest question. And I, I've said all along, one of the first questions Arthur Smith and Terry Fano had to ask the, in this offseason was have an honest conversation with Grady Jarrett. Grady, do you want to be here long term? If you do, great. Let's get an extension done. If you do not, well, what will we need to do to convince you of that? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
okay, okay, whatever his answer might be. And his answer was, listen, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't want to be part of a rebuild. Then they may look to trade him. And to me, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Calvin Ridley situation where people were like talking, oh, this, that, and look, nobody got that right, right? Because he ended up getting suspended. <laughs> yeah. But the reality was all options seemingly were on the table. Now, what Terry Fontenot said uh, last week when he talked made it sound like they were definitely shopping him because they were in conversations with other teams about Calvin Ridley. But, mm-hmm. like, to me, I think all options are seem like they're still on the table at Grady Jarrett, and I don't know how, how that plays out. It, if he... If he gets traded, would not be surprised. If yeah. he's here, I would not be surprised. If he signs an extension, I would I would be mildly surprised, but not shocked. I would be like, okay, that makes sense. He wants to be in Atlanta and, and be here like and just that's what he wants. Which if that's what he wants, cool. Good for him. Like mm-hmm. so, you know, good for the Falcons too, honestly. Like so I, I, that to me is where it stands is I think that there there are things that we definitely do not know um, because it's not like Grady's really saying much. It's not like, you know, his agent, Todd France, is saying anything at all. Uh, but I think it, it's telling that Arthur Smith basically said, yeah, listen, you know, he, he basically said, listen, the, the conversations need to be had. That was what I took from Jeff Schultz's quote. I wasn't there, but that's what I right. took from it. And at this point, you're kind of going all in on the dead money rebuild. So if you're going to move them, might as well move him now. Try to get a few more draft assets, whether it's for this year or for next. Brady Jarrett's the type of guy that, especially if you can, if that if you allow him to work out an extension with that team that you trade him to, you probably mm-hmm. can get a first for at least one or a first and a, and something else because he's that good in certain systems. So I would explore it because it doesn't even need to be mm-hmm. a first this year. It could be a first next year because you want to me. If you're the Falcons, I want that extra capital in 2023 in case Marcus in case. Marcus Mariota ends up being somewhere in the middle and you mm-hmm. win five games and you know, you want to go get a quarterback and you're sitting there with pick six and you, but all of a sudden say you have another pick that's pick 20. Well, maybe you can use yeah. both of those to go up and get two and then you can get a quarterback. In 2023. I would want that capital if I'm Terry Fontenot, if I'm the Falcons, especially because I'll have a lot of money to go around and spend that. If I'm going to move Grady Jarrett, I would want to move it, move him to see what I can do and go from there. I, I'm talking about this. I don't know exactly the, the June 1st implications on it right now. I'd have to go back yeah. and look. So there's maybe that implications there, but going to be something to watch here over, I would say between now and the draft. Well, that's what, um, you know, well, first off, that was very smart. You're a smart guy, Michael. You uh, must read a lot of books. Um, <laughs> Only about you're, you're, fake fans. <laughs> you're, you're already, you're like game theorying this out. Uh, but uh, do you think it would behoove them to move Grady before or after the draft? You know, do you think that plays in one way or the other? Because you do, if you were going to get maybe an extra first in this year's draft, there there are a a couple of notable uh, defensive tackles in this draft from right down the road, and you could really reset the entire way that you structure your front if you draft a guy like Jordan Davis. And while that may not be, you know, super appealing to some at eight, I I actually wouldn't mind it. But if you get the 15th pick, or something, you know, maybe that's exactly where where you would want to take him and feel comfortable. That, but does that play a factor at all to you? It might. I mean, I I would say this. I would take I Jordan Davis at eight would make sense to me. You know, I, or, I think it would for a lot. Or of if reasons. they trade down, or say they traded down to eleven or twelve, I think it would make mm-hmm. sense to me there. Uh, to me, 
you know, I mean, listen, if, if they do trade Gray and Jarrett, I mean, that, that defense is going to be that. Like, I feel for AJ Terrell. Like, I do. Right. Like, yeah. that defense is going to be rough next year. <laughs> just because, again, like, you're, you know, it, it's just going to, but like, you're tearing it down to build it back up. Yeah. You know? Like, that, that's, you know, they might not want to use the word rebuild. They might want to use transition, but it's all the same thing. It all means just, you know, like, you, you got to make change. So, I, yeah, I mean, I could see it, but it may also behoove them to get – I think it depends, frankly, how much they like certain players in this draft and where and how they want to b- really build the team because it's almost like a blank slate because right now you're mm-hmm. just – you're picking up pieces yep. for next year when it's wide open for you in free agency. And like Arthur Blank talked about that a little bit and, and Terry Fontenot was talking about that a little bit, how they expect to be in the top two or three in, in money to spend next year. So they're going to be players next year in free agency. I feel like they're basically telling you that one way or the other, yeah. especially because they may not have many guys of their own that they were free agent. Yeah. That want they want to, to bring keep. back. Yeah. Right. So it might also be like, oh, hey, look, here's the top 10 free agents. We're going to make, you know, $10 million offers to the first six or what, yeah. I'm just, you know, whatever it is. And well, you can, so they're probably now like, a, a, like you said, a big part of this puzzle is what does next year's landscape look like? Potentially, what, right. And guys, you yeah. Right, and you don't know that for sure because guys can get tagged, guys can whatever, but now right. also you also have flexibility for a trade. Mm-hmm. You can take on a big contract if you wanted to, if there's a guy that you that you love, right? Like that's a possibility too. So I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I think it just depends how they want to construct their team. And what and whether they feel the 2022 or 2023 drafts are stronger, and also mm-hmm. what you can get for Grady Jarrett, like, you know, I mean, because hell, the Falcons could wait till the trade deadline, and you know, but you're, yeah, I think that's you're, true. But at that point, you're running multiple other risks of there are no contenders that can fit his his cap number at that mm-hmm. point. Um, he gets hurt. Gets hurt. Yeah, you know, there's just not a team that needs him. And then at that point, you're either losing them for nothing or you're franchise tagging them. You know, and I guess theoretically you could tag, I think you can tag and trade. I'd have to go back and check. It's not something that's done very often in the NFL. Obviously. Yeah, it's not. You know, but much like uh, there was something, like there was a possibility I was, yet there was a possibility when I was talking about Matt Ryan with a colleague of mine that we had discussed about a possibility and I just didn't understand why NFL teams didn't do it. I'm blanking on what it is right now. I apologize because it was like, <laughs> but it's like, a, it's a very common NBA thing. Um, mm-hmm. that, well, it, it's like you package, you package resources to then trade away the contract, right? You could right. trade away the cap hit, but you make it, it's what the, the Browns and the, the Texans kind of right. did with well, Brock also, Osweiler. I, it was the three, t- no, I think it was, I think it was like the three team trade, which we just don't see. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but there was another one too. It was another thing too. Uh, I'm just blanking on it. It'll come to me <laughs> at some point. Um, this is what happens when really before yesterday, I worked every day for three and a half weeks and your brain is just like, like, you know, what the, the, uh, the anger emoji that like has like your brain on fire, like that. <laughs> yeah, your brain exploding. It was like, a com- I was, I've been basically a combination of that and like the Elmo fire emoji. Where Elmo's just like this, you know, people can't see this because it's not video. Like, this with the fire in the background. Like, that was, from the, that was basically my life 
for the last three and a half weeks. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't, that's a long answer for saying, I don't know if, I, I think it would completely depend on how Terry Fano and Arthur Smith want to construct their roster in terms of whether it be smarter to move him before June 1st or after June 1st or before the draft or after the draft. And he may, listen, he may go to them and say, hey, I want to see what you do in the draft. Like, yeah. if I like what you see, if I, and hey, look, you took, uh, say, let's, for argument's sake, Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau fall to eight, and they take him. Mm-hmm. And then they take uh, Kingsley Anagbare from South Carolina in the second round at 58. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, oh, wow, you've given me two possibly awesome <laughs> yeah. edge rushers? I'm, I'm okay with what you're doing now. Like, right. like yeah, we're we building through know, the line. We just don't yeah. know what, Grady's, what Grady has told them or hasn't told them. And, and that, until we know that, it's going to be next to impossible to, to really dive in and, and, and figure it out. So he could be just the, the latest in what is now a long line of Falcon star players uh, kind of going through a, a interesting little period of, you know, will they stay? Will they go? What's going to happen? Um, so that's fun. Yeah, some have been more protracted to. than others, though. I mean, Matt Ryan was pretty quick. Julio Jones was, was like a six-week odyssey. Calvin Ridley's... Calvin's still going. Yeah, I mean, Cal- <laughs> well... Yeah, but that's told. I mean, that's basically told for right. It's it's sidelined. I mean, um, yeah. Although I guess technically the Falcons could, I think, trade the contract. Trade him, right? But yeah. I I don't. I can't imagine that they would get any. They, you could. They wouldn't get anything at that point where he's still under your contract for 2023, even though it's not guaranteed anymore. So I mm-hmm. I can't imagine they would move him before they would know whether he'll be reinstated for next year or not. Like if they wanted to. Yeah. So it's. There's, again, so many pieces, and, and you can already look ahead and say, okay, wow, two, the 2023 offseason for this Falcons team, you, already, you can already predict it. Are they going to take a quarterback? Who are they going to sign with all of that money? Are they going to trade yeah, Calvin Ridley? Like, and what are they going to get for him? Like, there are your 2023 yeah. storylines for the offseason. In March of 2022. In March of 2022. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, this, has been, this has been awesome. This has been all over the place, but in the best possible way. Um, I definitely think much better than our first recording. Yeah, oh, times. Not, second time always is better than it's the first. Always, I mean, we talked it's about, always better. We talked about Daisy Jones in the six. We can't go <laughs> get much better than that. There you go. Um, I hope right, Taylor Jenkins Reed is somehow a Falcons fan, listens to this. Listening to this. Come on the pod. Come on. <laughs> let, come on Michael's pod. Let's get, let's get a whole, uh, whole Daisy Jones in the six, just a uh, book tour. Only Atlanta Falcons podcast, though. Um, yes. The most specific book tour. And we could just ask her about Grady Jarrett the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, what you got to plug? Uh, well, I wrote this. I, I read this book. It's called Daisy Jones and the Six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you can listen to my podcast. It's called From the Perch. I obviously work for ESPN.com. You can read all my Falcon stuff and some boxing stuff and some other stuff over at ESPN.com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram is at Mike Rothstein. Facebook is Michael Rothstein Journalist. I think that's all of my social medias that I use. Uh, that's about all I've got to plug at this point. I've got some <laughs> well, cool. I've got some cool stories in the pipeline, though, uh, both boxing and football related. So, uh, but I can't talk about them yet because then someone might <laughs> listen and take their ideas. There you go. We don't want to. No, we're not giving away any information here. That you gotta gotta go to ESPN and get all that great content. So. Um, this has been great, Michael. I really appreciate it. We'll have to do it again um, soon. You know, maybe after the draft, see how the roster is, has changed. Um, yeah, could I, work out. But I bet they have players. Bet they have players. 
<laughs> I'll bet they get players. Oh my God. Thank God for that. That'll be nice um, to actually have people that we, <laughs> that we are excited to talk about. Um, but this, this is great. Thank you so much, man. No problem. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Um, I thought it was great. It's <laughs> um, always fun talking to, to Michael. Uh, we go down a lot of ta- tangents, but like that's what makes good podcasting. I mean, when he started bringing up a, a book, you know, I, my wife is is the big reader, so she would have known way more. But that is one that he happened to say. And, you know, if he had said pretty much any other title, probably wouldn't have had that that moment. But that's the beauty of of kind of these conversations is get to learn a little bit about um, somebody who may cover your favorite team. And Michael does a great job uh, at that for the Falcons. So thank you again, Michael, for for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. As always, um, please like, subscribe, rate and review. Spread the word, spread the love um, and let everybody know that they can find us wherever they listen to their podcasts. Um, the, the Believe Network is growing. Uh, this this podcast is growing, which is exciting. Um, you know, one thing that's not changing is that it is still presented by Bet Online. Um, you know, the the OG sponsor. So thank you to them. Thank you to you. Pat yourself on the back. You made it through another podcast. If you're still listening this far into the podcast, um, then you're probably my mom. And doesn't matter if you are or not. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.